You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Uh oh, look here, I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, which is the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show on the Versus Network. I am your host, Aaron Martin. Over the next hour, we will be speaking with BASS elite angler Mark Tucker, as well as David Petty from Bayou Outdoors Company. In addition, I will also announce the winner of our weekly product giveaway, as well as tell you how to get involved on the action. So the again, there's some good stuff that's coming up uh, through that, so we don't want to miss out on that. Also, I'm going to go to the mailbag again this week and answer this week's listener email question. Um, but before we get into the interviews, I want to throw out again some more congratulations to one of our Bass Edge's very own pro staff members, Mr. Pete Pons. Pete recently competed at the uh, Elite Tournament, uh, the Pride of Georgia, out on Clarks Hill this past week, and Pete came in in third place. So he has posted uh, two back-to-back tournaments in which he qualified for the final day within the top 12. He took 11th place out at uh, Clear Lake in California and uh, took third place this week, and he is now $25,000 richer, so uh, look forward to getting another interview with him concerning the momentum that he has built. Congratulations, Pete, out there running that keel guard wrap boat around. Also, wanted to make you aware of that finally, uh, Jay McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, has officially been delivered to the Bass Edge doorstep, so I know that uh, there's a lot of orders that has been pending out there. Also, uh, some of you have actually won copies of that book. So those will be going out this week. And uh, just, uh, I'm excited for you guys to get this in your hands because I can tell you uh, the impact that it's had on me as well as many of the other fishermen uh, that I'm aware of and that he works with. Uh, they just cannot say enough about it. So um, look for that coming up. All right, we need to pause for a break. And when we return, we will be speaking with BASS Elite Pro Mark Tucker. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. Hello and welcome back to The Edge. I recently had the opportunity to sit down and visit uh, with Mark Tucker, BASS elite competitor, who is actually out of Kirkwood, Missouri, a little bit off of the beaten path from what you would normally think of um, right outside of St. Louis. Not a whole lot of water around there to fish. But uh, Mark has certainly been a consistent competitor for years now uh, within the upper echelon of um, the BASS events. So let's get right to the interview as he shares some great information on his style of fishing. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for being part of uh, the Bass Edge program. It's a pleasure to be here, Aaron. Mark, would just like to get really a, a summarization on 
your BASS uh, 2006 season? You know, it's been it's been an extraordinary season for uh, you know several reasons, uh, with the boat wrap, the big sponsors, and and you know everybody thought going into it it was going to be somewhat grueling, but I, I've seen a big impact, and and you you know really have to thank Bass for doing it because they have really brought a lot of guys' names up to the top of the you know the food chain, and and without the branding image. A lot of people wouldn't recognize Mark Tucker or, or a lot of the other fishermen, and, and that has really brought it to the forefront of what this sport will be in the next 10 years. And it's, it's growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, it is. Any predictions on you know, what we can you see? Know, it's hard to say. I mean, I've been in it. I mean, I really hate to disclose how old I am, <laughs> but I've been in it a long time. My father started back in you know, the, the mid-60s, and... Um, you know, I've, I've been around it that long, and, and it, ha, it has came a long ways, and it's still got a long ways to go. So we're kind of right in the middle now, but the main thing is, is just keep getting more people involved into the outdoors it is more than tournament fishing in general. The season has obviously had changed when they came about with the 2006 uh, schedule. Right. 2007, obviously, this year's season, we're, we're going to see some additional major changes. Um, what has has worked for you to be able to go from lake to lake and be able to compete? Well, you know, it's it's the main thing. If if anybody's interested in, in getting into professional fishing, is you really have to have an open mind um, as opposed different techniques because you go from lake to lake, from Florida to Missouri to Texas, to Mexico, and then all the way to New York. So you need a U-Haul truck to start with because you're going to need a lot of tackle. You know, you're going to need a lot of tackle. And, but you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to get, so, get yourself so spread out that to, to where it confuses the fishermen. I mean, and that's easy to do because you get so caught up in, you know, uh, different techniques to use. The best thing to do is get good with two or three techniques and, and they work regardless of what state you're in. You can find those conditions. And when you know what you're confident in doing, you look for those conditions. And, and that will get you over the hump. As you progress, then you can start applying new applications to, to fish with. And, and that's, that's the key. You, if a person, you know, it, it's just, you just can't take too much on at one time. So those two or three techniques, what would those be well, and, and, and that just depends on how your style of fishing. If you're a finesse fisherman, you know, you've got a couple little techniques you use for that. Power fishing, a jig, crankbait, spinnerbait. But the best thing to do is take one of those techniques, and, and for myself, it's a jig, and, and, and really get in with that type of fishing on bluffs, shallow water, boat docks, trees, you know, offshore structure. But use that one technique. And, um, and try to figure out how to catch fish on all lakes using, you know, a jig. Now, a jig's not going to work on every lake, but you could, you know, um, you could use a plastic bait instead of the jig. If you don't like using the jig or a lake's not suited for a jig, you just use a tube, a plastic, you know, a brush hog, something that, that's a pitching technique. And, and I, have, I have made it this far by flipping and pitching. And that's my bread and butter. You know, you really need, and I like 
the flipping and pitching because you're apt to catch more and bigger fish and the conditions regardless if it's sunny cloudy windy calm you're you normally can still catch them flipping a bait you know? and when you're talking about flipping or, or pitching it's the it's the technique correct 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 usually how de how deep are you you know i mean you can go from the dirt to 30 feet of water you know and uh whether dragging the jig you know i mean casting it and dragging it you know the football heads uh are a big thing now and, and that's going to play a big role this week in, in this tournament if they get down on the bottom and that's as an angler you have to be conscientious about um how you know are the fish on the bottom are they suspended are they 10 feet you know from the surface so that's things that you have to put together quick in a day to understand because like here on table rock this week you have a full moon full moon draws the fish off the bottom so the football head's probably not going to be the deal which everybody thinks it's going to be the deal but until that full moon goes away and the fish get back down on the bottom you probably ain't going to catch very many doing that. So, you know, it's going to be a suspended deal. And um, and that's, you know, that's little things that most people don't think about. And, I mean, even, you know, till the last couple of years, I never paid no. You know, if I'm catching them one day on that football jig, I think the next day, or, or any jig for that matter, that you can go out the next day and catch them on the bottom again, and, and then you don't get bit, and you wonder, well, what? You know, where'd those fish go? Well, they did was get up off the bottom. So if you had tried something a little lighter, a jig head worm or a drop shot, and catch them, catch them suspended in that suspended layer of water. So I've been doing it a long time, and every day, I mean, this year I have still learned so much at every event, and that's what's so intriguing about bass fishing. What's the one thing that you've taken from, from this season? Oh, I mean, like I said, every tournament, I, and I mean, I've been, I've been doing it every day for the last 10 years, and, and when you can still go out there every day and learn something, that's pretty cool, and that's what life's about, you know. Every day, try to learn something new, and, and, and that's what's so neat about bass fishing tournaments, and, and not so much just fishing, but when you're competing to have to, you know, to have to have a meal to eat next week, you've got to think pretty quick, or, or you probably probably not going to eat next week so it's uh I, I mean so many little subtle things you know using braided line on topwater baits that you know had i have known that five six years ago you know those days when you just catch them on a spook and they'd keep jumping off well if i had braided line on i would have got them all and the reason for using braided line on, on top water? You don't have any stretch. You know, when you make a long cast out there, and normally with a topwater bait, the, you know, the first couple moves after that bait splashes in the water is when they react on it. And, you know, you, you, may, be, you may cast 25 or 30 feet out there. Well, fluorocarbon doesn't work well on topwater, as you well know, because it sinks, so you don't get the action. And monofilament works good, but it's got too much stretch. So when you set the hook and that fish is out there, you never penetrate, you know, get the hooks in his lip. So the, the braided line, you get a good solid hook set. And, and man, it, it, it's, I will never throw it without it again. And, and um, at Clark's Hill, I was using a red pin, which I had learned on this lake how to throw the red pin. Oh, if I would have just known that years ago, it would have been awesome, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking about the the jig, there's so many styles of the jig. Right. There's the football jig, which is the large, the, the heavier right. jig. Tell us a little bit more about your favorite 
jigs or the well, differences? Well, I, I make a jig, uh, produce a jig for Team Supreme. It's called the Mark Tucker Big Time Football Head. It comes in four different sizes, all the way from a quarter to three quarters. The key, the the, be, the best sizes are the three quarter and the half ounce. Um, the three quarter works awesome. But I'm getting to where I like the half ounce better because it comes through the rocks a little easier. Because certain lakes, you just don't have the type of pea gravel you have on um, these southwestern Missouri lakes that are more pea gravel, and that three-quarter works well, and you can fish it deep. You know, if, if the fish are down 35, 40 feet deep, you know, it's silly to have a jig that takes so long to get to the bottom. The, the, the thing with the football head is it needs to be staying in contact with the bottom, and that's why such a, you know, a heavy jig is important. Um, but as the fish, if the fish aren't quite so deep, say on, you know, lakes where you have a little more water color and the fish don't get so deep, the half-ounce one is really going to be the one that shines most of the time because it comes through the rocks better. It doesn't get hung up. And, um, and I mean, I've really caught a lot of fish on that half-ounce football head this year. So transitioning, let's say, to boat docks or to shallower cover, what what well, and, and, and the half ounce or um, the half ounce football head works well around docks as well because everybody in the last few years have went to the lighter, the the quarter, the five sixteenths ounce round head ball jigs, and and um, the problem you have there once you fish those boat docks a lot, and and everybody's fishing boat docks now, so you need something that's going to react those fish to react to it. So the, the the thing is now is a half ounce football head pitching it to docks because it falls so fast, and those fish react to it. Where if you pitch a quarter ounce or five six, it falls so slow, and those fish swim up to it, look at it, and just turn and go away. But if it's racing down to the bottom, they you know especially this time of the year where you have a, you know more schools of fish under a boat dock that they're going to uh, they're going to be a little bit more aggressive if something's racing there one of them's going to run out there and grab it before the other one gets it so that's going to be you know that's kind of the the thing to do now speaking of boat docks when you go to a lake you know all of, there's lakes across the country that right. have a lot of boat docks how do you how do you approach which docks to fish you know the thing about fishing boat docks all across the United States is they're all different. Uh, here in the Midwest, we have them on, you know, foam or, or, or black tubs that they float on. You know, they're more floating docks tied down with cables. You get south of here, and they're all on piers. They're not quite as good because uh, they don't give the shade like the styrofoam or the, the tub docks do. So you really have to just... Everything has to coincide, you know, the watercolor, the depth of dock sitting in, and, um, you know, once you fish those docks enough, you kind of know what you're looking for. I can almost ride down the lake and see a dock and say, I know there's a bass living under that dock, and, and, uh, and that's kind of um, the neat thing about it is that when you get that kind of confidence build up, I found that not all docks work all over. You know, I mean, some some lakes, the fish just don't use those docks except during the spawn. And um, and then they'll go up and spawn around the back corners and that. But uh, we're very fortunate in the Midwest that, I, that I'm, I've been able to grow up on lakes that where the fish really use the docks well, pretty much throughout the year. And speaking of, of your place of growing up, you're 
from a non-traditional area per se right. of not being close to the to the body water from St. Louis, Missouri. Right. How do you perfect your skill and and gain access to water from living there? You know, it's hard because every, you know, if I want to just go play fishing for the day, I have to drive three hours. And and now there is some places close to St. Louis to go. I mean, there's uh, we I live right right close to the Mississippi. Uh, East St. Louis is just across the river, and just east of East St. Louis, there's a lot of power plant lakes, which is fabulous for winter fishing. And um, I used to do that a, a ton. I'd go over there. I mean, it would be ten. 15 degrees out and I did concrete work so I was off pretty much all winter and we, my brother and I'd go over there and I mean it'd be snow ice on the ground and and just have a ball you know the water temperature was anywhere from 52 to 62 degrees and and just catch fish all day long but if if you want to fish you're going to find a way to find a place to go fishing and and um, I mean it didn't matter where it was at we were you know we would go I know you know, the, the sport of fishing is, it's a, has to be grueling, spending that many hours during practice uh, on the water. Tell a little bit about how physical fitness and nutrition plays into your regimen. Well, during the off season, I train every day. And, um, you know, I, I, I walk the treadmills, ride the bikes, but I do a lot of, lot of bodybuilding, weightlifting. And uh, in the off season, I'll squat 400 pounds for 10 reps, you know, and, and to weigh 180 pounds squatting, you know, 400 pounds, I mean, and natural, you know, I do, I do a little bit of supplements, um, a lot of protein powder, um, amino acids, L-glutamine, arginine, but, um, you know, and taking vitamin E, all your vitamins, I like taking all that, but on the road, last year when we fished, I was able to get up every morning at 3.30. I'd go to the local gym in the town we was in. I would train till 5.30, then go eat breakfast, and I'd be on the water and practice. Now, during competition days, I, you know, you couldn't do it because you wouldn't eat all day during competition, so there was no way you could train. But in the off-season, I train immensely. I mean, every day, and when I'm not training, it'll be on an off day, and I may walk 20, 25 miles a day bird hunting. So, which, you know, keep the cardiovascular up. And, and uh, if I wasn't doing that, I was bow hunting, climbing up and down trees. So, you know, just staying very active and, and not trying not to get lazy. You know, it's so easy to go home, turn TV on, watch TV and, and, and go to the refrigerator. And, but you do need rest. And so there's a time where you really, you know, got to watch how, what kind of rest you get. That's very important. The rest and the eating is the two, the two things you need most. So between fishing bass tournaments and lifting weights, staying in shape, do you have any time to do anything else, to have, Not have fun? Or? You know, uh, my wife and I, I mean, we, we love barbecuing steaks and, and chicken breast and, and turkey breast. And, you know, so that, that's kind of our excitement. I mean, we, you know, she, I mean, she's already calling me today, asking me what I want to eat when I get home next week, you know, and I'm like, honey, you know, I'm, I'm worried about what I'm going to eat after a while, you know, not next week. But, and that's the neat thing about it. I mean, she's, we've been together now for, we've been married for 16 years and, and, um, which is pretty good, you know, and, and, uh, and we've, I've fished and hunted, you know, so she's real, 
condition to that and she lets me you know she knows if I'm not fishing or hunting that I'm going to the gym and every morning she I mean she makes me 10 scrambled eggs seven or eight wheat pancakes and some bacon every morning. You better morning be careful about disclosing that or you're going to have a bunch of guys calling her now and go <laughs> do the same thing for her. Oh, no. She, <laughs> and, but, you know, and, 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 and that's the way we eat every day I'm at home. So, you know, I try to, when I'm on the road, I try to, you know, get a place where I can cook. I bring all my cooking utensils with me. And uh, if, I, if I can't scramble the eggs, I'll just boil a carton of eggs and, and, and eat boiled eggs, you know. And, and, uh, but that, it's really helped me. The bodybuilding part and being in competition and the bodybuilding has really enabled me to know how to eat on the road and to, and to watch and feel my body and know that when I'm starting to get run down and what I need, you know, and, and that goes with anything. And when you're in good shape, the thing I found is if you don't eat right, you won't work out. If you don't work out, you don't eat right. So it goes hand in hand. And, and I mean, I, I, I boxed before I started bodybuilding. So, you know, the, my whole life has, has been training and nutrition. And, and so, and that's the big thing with, you know, with kids growing up in the sport. If they want to excel at, at tournament fishing and be a professional, it goes hand in hand to, to take care of your body and, um, you know, be healthy. and and um, stay away from alcohol and drugs and, and really focus on, on what you want to do with your life. And, and, and there's no limit, you know. That's great advice. Shift gears a little bit. We're, we're really on the eve of the final 2006 event at Table Rock Lake. Um, thoughts there? How, you know, what, what's going to, what's going to take place? Well, you know, you, you have a lot of anxiety right now. I'm sitting in like 31st place to go to the classic and that means everything making that classic you know because if i don't make that classic uh but you know with us right now i'm not sure what i'm going to do next year this classic is going to determine what i'm going to do um you know 15 tournaments from the east coast to the west coast wall has been a tremendous sponsor bass cat has been a tremendous sponsor and without those two sponsors I wouldn't be sitting on this interview right now so you know I appreciate the world out of them but the price in, in tournament fishing traveling from the east coast west coast is unbelievable motels the fuel so everything determines right here this week you've got two days 14 hours to end this year up i've had a, a good year it could have been a lot better i should have i should have i've should have got a check in every tournament and and that didn't happen but i've got a chance right now to make the classic and, and make up for some of those bad tournaments and really help bass cat and wall out promote them at the classic so i've got 14 hours on a lake that's typically pretty tough right now not my style of fishing I, uh, I came here and practiced a, mo a month ago. I feel very confident this week as, as, as catching 10 to 14 pounds a day. Um, I feel 13 to 14 pounds a day, you will walk away with this tournament easily. You know, I, I really believe that. I mean, there's a lot of great fishermen in this elite series, but, but we've, been, we've been to murky water, tidal water, and 
bass fishing, you know, a lot of, you know, that ain't happening here this week. It's going to be very tedious. And um, I'm excited about it, but I don't want to be overexcited. I want to stay calm. I want to go out there and just, and, and the technique I'm going to be using, I'm not real comfortable with it. But I know what I can catch doing it. And, but it's fishing. Anything can happen, you know, and that's, that's the neat thing about it. Um, I just hope I can catch 10 pounds a day, make that classic, make my sponsors happy, um, make my wife happy, and make me happy. And, and that's what it's about. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd love to win it, but I'm going to make a check and try to make this classic and, and finish off the year with a bang. And then I can pursue what's going to transpire next year. For 2007. Yeah. Being at these crossroads, um, does it, the added pressure or lack thereof, is that changed, changed your mindset? You all? know, it's just like playing the Super Bowl. You know, you it, you got to be careful how your emotions, and that's all, you know, everybody don't take in consideration how you have to control your anxiety. And... Um, you know, you've got seven hours on that body of water. You know, everybody thinks, well, it's a four-day event. No, it's not a four-day event. It's a two-day event, and you have seven hours each day. you got 14 hours to, to finish this year up. And I'm going to just take it one fish at a time. I'd love to, you know, once I get three fish in the boat the first day, it's going to be a big relief. And then I can probably really settle down and, and, and focus more on what I've got to do. But... You know, I want to make that classic because if I don't make that classic, it's it's. But I don't want to put that added pressure on myself. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I, I can't control everything. All I can control what I do on that water and how I handle it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to just stay low key, and that's my nature. You know, I, I mean, everybody says, "Oh, you need to," you know, scream. And I grew up hunting. And I like to sneak up on what I'm hunting. I don't want to make a lot of racket. I don't want to make a lot of noise. I like to come in low and, and just get the job done, do what I need to do, and get out of there. Will the boat docks jigs play a role in this, in this tournament? I'm, I'm going to fish boat docks. They, they will be on my list. But um, I think you're going to have to do three things, and that's the football head, a spoon, and a drop shot. Those are the three things. And like we talked about earlier, about recognizing when the fish are on the bottom and when they're not on the bottom. And, and if you can determine that right away, and just because I go out there tomorrow and practice and they're on the bottom doesn't mean they're going to be on the bottom the first day of the tournament. So that's what's so intriguing about this sport, that you've you know, you got to put it together now during, during the time it counts. Practice is great, and, and I spend a lot of time practicing and, and really you know, concentrating on that time, but those 14 hours of that first couple days of the event is when you need to put it together. And so you, know, you need to realize if they're on the bottom or they're not on the bottom. And the guy that figures that out, He's the one that's going to excel in, in this tournament. And, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough on them. Any, any thoughts? You know, obviously you're a Missouri resident with the tournament being held in Missouri. I mean, you know, you hear the, the local lake factor and all that. You know, if it, if it would have been in February, you know, it would have been a lot different. Or if it had been on Lake of the Ozarks, it would be a lot different. But I was very fortunate to come down here a month ago and... Um, 
I found some things that that I never fished here that I started fishing for three or four days. And so by getting outside of kind of your comfort zone, I guess is right, how I'm taking right. this, and and taking investing that time to and, figure this out. Right, you're learning just as much as somebody. Oh. That is right. trying to get into the sport. Oh, exactly. I mean, I, I, and 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 I drop shot it a lot, and I've spooned a lot, but I've never, you know, I've never had to just go out and drop shot, or never had to go out and just spoon. This tournament here, a guy can run up the river one day and catch him pretty good. I, I believe that. I believe a guy can go up there and catch 14, 15 pounds. You're not going to do it two days, three days, four days in a row. So um, it's going to be deep. I'm going to start deep, and I'm going to stay deep regardless of what happens. Uh, the weather looks real good for deep water fishing this week. We've got a front moving in tonight and tomorrow, but it's supposed to blow out of here on Monday. Uh, the weather's supposed to warm back up the middle of the week. Wednesday, sunshine, and that, that's what you're going to need. And we've had that full moon all this past week, so a lot of the fish have got off the bottom. And, um, you know, I know the Heartland yesterday was one with, you know, about what I figured, 14 pounds a day. And, 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 and those guys fish here every day. So they're real apt to fish in deep. They know what they're looking for. They know how to read the graph. And the electronics is going to be a big key this week. You know, really. Um, and, and now you've got guys that really have to catch them to make that classic. So, you know, I'm in now. So it's a little bit easier for me to go out there and fish a way that I'm not used to fishing as opposed to a guy that's sitting out needing to get in. He's going to be a little bit more apt to, you know, to make a few more mistakes. I, I really believe if I can catch three to four fish a day that I'm, I'm going to be in that classic. But um, I, I want to win. I mean, and I'm fairly confident. I've, I've, we've watched you too many times over the course of the years. You've been in too many of the classics. And uh, we certainly look forward to to the upcoming 2007, uh, confident that, that you'll be there at, at the Classic. Mark, in just a, a few closing words, what's, what's one thing that, you know, that if you could pass on to an individual who's starting, regardless of age, you know, wanting to get involved just with re the recreation of this sport, what's one thing you would tell them? You know, the best thing is, is be confident in whatever you do and, and believe in yourself because, um, there is no limit as what you can do and as well as you know with, with you and, and Bob and what you're doing now it's your dream and live your dream there's you know don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it because uh, I never dreamed of being where I'm at now and and I was a concrete finisher for 25 years and I worked hard and I never dreamed you know that it would come down to this so just just believe in yourself and 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 thrive on what you want to do believe in that you can do it and and you will excel in it that's great not only fishing advice but great life advice exactly mark thank you so much for your time been a wealth of, of knowledge and information best of luck to you uh, in the upcoming tournament and we'll see you in 2007 thank you Aaron. it's been a pleasure all right mark thanks a lot for taking time out to, to shed some insight on your style of fishing and how you got into the sport. We need to take one more short break, but when we get back, we are going to announce this week's winner of the weekly podcast product giveaway. Don't go anywhere. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140. 
And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare KeelGuard. Thanks, MegaWare KeelGuard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. Welcome back to The Edge. Each week, we randomly draw a winner from the received entries for some great products provided by our sponsors. Now, to register, all that you need to do is send in an email to podcast at bassedge.com with the subject line listed as product giveaway. Now, don't forget to include your name and address within the body of the email so that we know where to send the prize to if you win. We're still getting a few of those in, so again, be sure to include your address of where we can send the prize to once you win. Now this week, uh, we have a complete Season 1 box DVD set from Bass Edge featuring over three hours of extended footage that was not seen on uh, the Versus Network. So um, excited to get that out, and the winner of this week's prize package goes to Tom Windmer of Iowa City, Iowa. So congratulations, Tom. Uh, We will get your Season 1 box DVD set from Bass Edge uh, with all that extended footage shipped out to you this week. Now, how the contest works is that each week we delete all of the previous entries and start over. So the good news is that there is no limit on the number of entries uh, that you can enter throughout the course of the year. However, again, we do ask that you only enter one time per week. Uh, And again, you just send in that email to podcast at BassEdge.com with product giveaway in the subject line along with your address in the body of the email. It is time to head to the weekly email question uh, that are sent in um, from viewers and listeners all over. And uh, that new section, how that works is if you'll send us in uh, a question of which we can uh, extend out to our pro staff and get some answers back, it helps Everybody that's out there in the in the listening world uh, become a better angler. And if you do that, then you'll automatically be entered in for the uh, next week's drawing. So, again, get those uh, questions sent in so that we can get those out and um, help everybody grow uh, in their angling skills. Again, all you need to do is send that to podcast at BassEdge.com and then just uh, place your question in the body of the email. But this week's question is from Brian out in California. And it reads, great show and website, um, but can you tell me how to reduce line twist on a spinning reel? That is a great question, Brian. And actually, uh, we threw this question out to Mike Webb, who did a sub-segment piece on that internally within the show. And Mike's answer is, there's really two ways um, to look at that. One is going to be from the standpoint of how you actually put uh, the line on to your spinning reel. And that is making sure that the line comes off of your spool counterclockwise. He states that you cannot necessarily do the old style of label up or label down, but you want to make sure that that line is coming off of the spool and going onto the reel counterclockwise so that it doesn't create um, additional twists or loops in your line as uh, as it's wrapped around the spool. The other thing that he states uh, that he wanted to make sure that you are aware of is that after you make a cast with a spinning reel, instead of just turning the reel handle to close the bale, it's really, really recommended that you reach over and flip the bale back over with your finger. Now this is going to do two things. A, it's going to keep that line from jumping and creating an additional loop, 
But then the other thing that it does, it keeps from wear and tear on the spring within your spinning reel for that bale. So it's a great way to keep out line twists, but also a good way to save on um, the parts, the moving parts rather of your spinning reel. So great question, Brian, and you will be entered in next week's podcast product giveaway. Okay, we need to take another quick break, and we will be right back with David Petty of Bayou Outdoors. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Okay, we are back on the edge. Recently, while uh, attending the Professional Anglers Association Texas Bass Classic down on Lake Fork, I had the opportunity to meet up with David Petty from Bayou Outdoors, uh, makers of the fine cyclone baits as well as a V&M plastic line of baits. So let's get right to the interview with David Petty from Bayou Outdoors. David, thanks so much for being part of the edge. Thanks for having me on with you. Well, you know, there's a lot of great bait companies that are out there, but there are, is something special when it comes to V&M. That's right. Let's start with talking how V&M actually got into the business of making baits. V&M started in uh, the early 90s. Um, started with uh, a couple partners that uh, loved to fish, wanted to get some stuff together and start fishing. So uh, they started up, uh, B&M has now moved to Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's a family-owned business now. Uh, it's owned by, it's actually my, my stepfather, uh, Ken Starts in Natchitoches, Louisiana. A um, good bit of our family works there. Uh, everybody that works there fishes. Uh, it's actually made by fishermen. Even the guys that are back there pouring the baits, so they fish. And they fish with our stuff. Um, and we feel like it's a, uh, we, we really enjoy it now because it is a family-owned business. Um, actually, all of us go to church together, and uh, we, we've done a lot as far as uh, trying to grow locally, grow a, long, a real local strong presence, but now we're in overseas. We're South Africa, Italy, and Spain. Uh, just set up a new distributor, a new sole distributor in Spain this last week. So it's looking good, and we're really happy. Well, and, you know, you bring that point up as far as being local. I mean, that was really uh, one of the ways that I was introduced to the bait was through Pete Bond because That's right. boys, historically, they hadn't been all over. But now, you know, obviously you're making some waves there. That's right. But talk about the different designs. You know, what all does V&M make? V&M runs basically the full gamut of soft plastic baits. Uh, we have everything from 14-inch Bayou Giant worms all the way down to trailers and four and a half inch finesse worms, uh, six inch needle worms, which we call our pork pin, uh, and pretty much anything in between. Uh, a nine inch big hog lizard, uh, six inch lizard, which was one of our best bases, one of our more commonly purchased baits, more commonly used baits. Uh, we run a five inch chopstick, which is a Cinco type bait. Um, very similar to that. Uh, really good floating action. Um, all of our baits are injected with pork fat, which aids the baits in floating. Um, lets them sink a lot slower, depending on what weight you're putting on, on the respective bait. Um, the floating agents help us out a lot with 
say when a jig hits the, hits the bottom of the lake or the bottom of the body water you're fishing, it's going to stand it up. A jig trailer with the claws on it is actually going to stand up and the, the bait's going to be in position just like a crawfish would be. Or with a worm or anything like that, when it hits the bottom, the tail is coming up. Just for instance, say if you were fishing a shaky head or something like that, our tail, when the, when the bait hits the bottom of the, of the lake, the tail is actually going to sit up. It's going to float. And the way that our baits are run, with the softness of our baits, it's going to stand up, it's going to quiver, it's going to shake. The bass is not going to be able to resist it. So does the, is the, the pork fat that's injected, is that predominantly just for the, for the floating, or does that add scent? The, the, the pork fat really serves two purposes. Uh, first one being the floating. The floating and the buoyancy that it gives the baits. It's going to help the bait float slower. It's going to help the bait stand up when it's on the bottom lake. Also, it's for the bass. It's for their for their senses, for their taste. When they grab a hold of the bait, they're going to hang on. They're not want to not going to want to let go. They're tasting something. It's it's a consumable good. It's something that they that we eat. It's actually pork fat that we that we cook with and everything that most people cook with and stuff. It's the same thing. It's what's in our bait. The bass are going to hold on longer and they're not going to not going to want to let go. So that's really the uniqueness of, of being in and why they're so successful. It is. Because when you look at it and think about how many baits there are out there in the market today. That's right. How many have pork fat cooked in? Not many. Uh, you know, pork fat is pork fat is a big thing. Uh, another thing that I think that is going to set us that's going to set us apart is uh is our quality control. With the volume of stuff that we produce and the people that we have in our plant, every bait, when it's bagged up, it goes through three different sets of hands. They're the runner. First of all, our the guy who runs the baits, our plant manager who oversees running and injecting the molds and the machines to run our baits. One, he's the pickiest guy I've ever met in my life. Uh, he really pays attention to flashing on wires and stuff like that. A lot of baits you'll, you'll take out of the package when you get them out of the store, along the edges of the baits. The way that, if you've ever seen a, a machine before and how it runs a bait, it's going to have flashing all the way down the side of the bait, or sometimes it'll have that if the, if the temperatures aren't right, if uh, the right ingredients aren't in the plastic and stuff to make it run right. If it's flashed at all, he takes it and calls it. And then it goes through another set of hands that picks the baits, off of the runners, which the baits are, are come in, they shoot in big long runners, and we'll have say 60 or 80 baits on a runner. They pick then, they're they're coiled again, and then the third time is the baggers, the baggers and handlers who actually put the baits in the bags. They will go through and call the third time. So there are a three-step call process that we have to ensure that our baits are the highest quality. So not only do you have the uh, infusion of, of the pork fat, which is obviously a niche. That's right. But you have three steps of quality control. Three steps of quality control. Three steps of quality control. We also, uh, if you're asking about injecting the the hog guard or the pork fat, uh, another thing is is the scent that we have in it. We we have anise spray. Anise oil goes into all of our baits as well. Um, we also provide in aerosol cans anise to go along with the spray that you can find. And we have garlic sprays, shrimp sprays, and stuff like that. But anise goes into all of our soft plastics. And after they come off the machines, they're sprayed down with anise, uh, just the right amount to get, not make the bags, you know, saturated with anise and have anise standing in the bottom bags. But it's actually just enough to, to the anise soaks into the soft plastic. Anise is made 
to soak into the soft plastic. So that that way that whenever say say a bag is on the on the shelf for a year, you pull it out, it still smells fresh. It still has the anise. Is a lot of times people want to say it's licorice smell. Mm -hmm. Something smells like licorice. It's anise oil. And that's what we have on all our baits too. So we have pork fat, which helps with floating. It helps the fish holding on to the bait because they want to eat it. We have the anise also is the other scent that helps that adds the fish, and we have three-step quality control. Outside of just the plastics, you have a jig that I'd like you to spend just a little bit of time because it's very unique. That's right. Um, tell us tell us about the jig. We have a new jig, and that's actually the one that I've been holding in my hand. Uh, our Elite Series Pro Staff, Cliff Pace, who's on the B&M Pro Staff, he has designed four new jigs for us this year that will come out in 2007 uh, here at the PAA tournament that we're at, the Texas Bass Classic this weekend, is uh, really the first time that we have these here to show to people. Um, the four different types we have that Cliff has designed, well, first let me tell you a little history on it. Cliff designed these for him fishing the Elite Series. The reason he started designing his own baits is because he wasn't satisfied with what was available on the market. Well, he could go to the store whenever he wanted it. He wanted exactly what he wanted, where he was going to catch fish, because he depended on it. Um, we continuously look to our pro staff, and we it's kind of one of our things that the pro staff have to give us advice and have to constantly give us feedback on how to keep our baits, how to keep the quality of our baits up and keep innovating our baits to stay with the with the market and to also stay to keep on the cutting edge, I guess, of the soft plastic industry. Um, so Cliff started making the baits at his house. Um, actually supplied several Elite Series guys with some baits uh, because they wanted what he had was something different than everybody else. The first one I'd like to talk about would be the Shaky Head. Uh, Cliff designed these and made these. Today I have the uh, this Shaky Head rig on a six-inch worm, a six-inch needle worm, which we call our, we call our six-inch pork pen. Uh, the shaky head is made with a three-aught gamagatsu hook. Uh, you know, I told you about the bait standing up. First thing I'll show you is when the bait comes through the water, it hits on the bottom of the lake. The worm again stands up, quivers and shakes. Even if you hold it still, it is going to shake. Another thing is, so Aaron, look at this. I'm going to pull this off the hook. Hold on to this bait right here and pull it. Pull it. See, it's not going to come off. Wow. That keeper is on there. This is a screw lock keeper that is on this bait. You can, you don't, you know, when you're flipping boat docks mm -hmm. and when you're flipping stuff, the normal keepers that are on the jig or something like that are built into the shaft. Well, this one isn't like this. It's designed different because you're not going to have to deal with this. It's not going to slide down because of the screw lock keeper that he has designed. You're not going to have to touch this bait until you catch at least your first fish. Keep the bait in place. It's going to keep the bait important. in place. It's very important. It's going to save you time. You'll be able to flip, flip, flip one right after another. You're not going to have to reel up. You're not going to flip, reel up, play with your bait, have to readjust your, or get another worm. It's going to save you worms, too. Let me unscrew this and show you real quick what the keeper looks like. There's a screw keeper right there, and that is what holds the bait on. All you do is you buy whatever bait you want to. Uh, V&M baits obviously work really good. And these are the new V&M shaky head jigs. You take it, it's very simple. You screw it on the, you screw it onto the keeper and it's set. I mean, it's just that quick and just that easy. It's on there, hook it through. 
when you're done. Just well, like that. The thing, David, is you know, just a branching outside of just the plastic baits that plastic you guys are so well known for. Now getting into the shaky heads and the jigs. Shaky heads and jigs. Uh, again, it's just another um, demonstration of the quality and that it goes is. into your baits. I wish we had more time, but unfortunately, sure. we're out of time. I can promise you we'll be back. That's having fine. back on to talk about some of the other great things that you're doing. But uh, David Petty with VNM Baits, thank you so much for being part of uh, part of the Edge. Thanks for having me on the Edge. Thanks, Ann. I appreciate it. You bet. All right, once again, we have reached that point in our show in which we are out of time. It always goes so quickly, but I want to throw out uh, a thank you to Mark Tucker as well as David Petty for taking time to uh, share with us uh, their insights. Next week, we have another great show lined up as Ken Broder, BASS Elite Pro, will be with us to talk about his tactics on drop shotting. For more cutting-edge information, be sure to visit our website, at BassEdge.com, as well as tune us in on the Versus Network every Wednesday and Sunday mornings. Wednesday mornings, you can see that at 7.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, and Sunday mornings, 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. In the meantime, thanks for joining me, and I look forward to visiting with you next week, right here on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edge's The Edge has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches. Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.